Hey you, welcome to Tea Talk, a space to share the therapy tea. I'm Shailene, your host, and I hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips, stories, and conversations on getting better emotionally, recovering from trauma, and improving your overall quality of life. I want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic, they are definitely not a replacement for therapy. Please, at any point, if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy, please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up, and let's get ready for today's episode. Today's guest is Justin Riley. He's the owner of Yoga Rebellion since 2015, and he's been teaching yoga since 2011. Justin has many other certifications in various movement modalities like kettlebells, steel mace, animal locomotion, and boxing. He started his movement journey with skateboarding when he was just a young kid, and that grew into a martial arts practice in his late teens and 20s, which then flourished into a yoga practice. He's a married father of twins, Nate and Jules, and he loves his animals, his dogs, Max and Coco, and his cat, Paul. Now he spends his days teaching yoga, kettlebells, movement, and tries to inspire people to live a better life through the simple principles in yoga philosophy. Welcome, Justin. I'm so glad we're doing this. It feels cool because in doing these, I've been getting to know like friends of mine that I feel like there are parts of them that I really don't get to know. And yeah, have you been on a podcast before? Yeah, I've done a few of them in the past, but nothing in the last like year or two. All of them were like a, yeah. a while ago, like when podcasts like really surged, probably like five years ago. Yeah. That's when I was on a few of them for like yoga stuff, or I was on one that was like about branding, like having like a brand or something like that. And they're they're mm-hmm. always interesting. And I do like it because I love to talk. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. You're a good storyteller. Like you've got a way of talking in which people, they listen and want to hear what you have to say. So I feel like it's a really good match. So I'm super glad you're here. Yeah, me too. How have you been? I've been great, man. Everything's been going good now that we're like moving forward a little bit more, you know, like with health and everyone feels like a little bit better to like get back out again and stuff like that. So when it comes to like yoga business is definitely picking back up a little bit, which is really, really cool. Cause you know, that's my whole life. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. It's been such a, a weird time. And I've been thinking a lot about, you know, creator friends who are hustling to make it work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If the people don't come out, you don't got much going on. So (laughs) you really got to pivot. And uh, I know you were doing a lot of that during the pandemic. So hell yeah, a lot of it. And it's all worked out really, really well. Like I was talking to a few people about it yesterday about like through the pandemic, when we were like doing yoga outside and like as terrible of a time as it was, it was actually kind of nice because your worries were like a little bit less when it came to like going to work every day. Like all like the cultural kind of bullshit kind of goes away where it's like, Oh, I have to meet this friend for this. And we're going to do this. And I might travel here. And like all that stuff kind of went away. Cause it was like, we were just at home every day. It's like, yeah. I ate dinner with my family every day. I wasn't worrying about like where we had to eat this weekend or like what our schedule was. It was like, I worked one time I'm a day clear. <laughs> worked from nine 30 to 10 30. If it rained out, I didn't work <laughs> because right. we were outside and it was just really nice. And like, a lot of people were like, oh, we got to go to the beach all the time and kind of hang out. And it's also 
I guess a part of it is privilege in a way, because sure. like I did have luckily the student base to kind of keep me afloat that I didn't have to go and get a whole other job or like I wasn't super, super worried about everything. It's interesting to see like, like in therapy, entrepreneurs in this field talk a lot about imposter syndrome, especially oh, yeah. like when you get to the place where you are starting your own business and you're making your own money and you're putting new stuff out there for people. And it's interesting to see people. I mean, it's not surprising, but in ways it's like, oh yeah, like imposter syndrome, it's everywhere. This shit is abundant. Like you're like, will people come in? And I'm like, (laughs) Justin, of course people are going to come in. But like, it's easy for me to say that because I'm like, people are going to stop coming to therapy. And I'm like, no, they're not. There's like a crisis every single day. We're always going to need therapy, you know? It's easy for that stuff to come in and you have to work really hard to like be anti that like, no, 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 we cannot go there today or really at all. And I try really hard because even after I've been teaching yoga for 11 years, I've had the business since 2015 and I still feel like I shouldn't be at the party. You know, like I still feel like who am I to say anything? But I think Uh. it's a, a part of me that's trying to maintain some kind of humility in what I do and not try to be mm-hmm. like the people that upset me, <laughs> you know, because I see some people sometimes where I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, you have no basis of trying to tell anybody to do anything. And it's like, you know, it's yoga teachers or people in the yoga community or mm-hmm. online or social media stuff. And I'm just like, you've been doing this for three years. You have no business trying to say anything. So I think it's a part mm-hmm. of me trying to keep myself in check. But it's also sure. to a fault sometimes, you know, like, yeah, I think when I hit the 10 year mark of teaching, that's when I was like, all right, maybe I'm not full of shit. <laughs> maybe I know something. <laughs> it's been 10 years. But then on the other side of that, too, there's people who have been doing things for their whole lives and they suck at it. Like they're not, you know, they're just not really in it. Yeah. And I don't want to be that person. Yeah. I feel like I could be that person. <laughs> I mean, anybody could be that person. But I think like. There's a lot of different things that come into play. And it's, you know, for myself, knowing you and being a student of yours and, you know, becoming a friend of yours, I think like there's a part of you that you teach from all of the time in class that reminds people to be grateful and humble and serve others and all of that. That is going to make it really hard for like your ego to overcome that because that other part is such a big part of you. And I say that because it's like, you know, for you right now, you might feel better at the 10 year mark, but then one day you won't, you'll be like, 10 years isn't shit. look at this. So-and-so has been doing this yep. since he was born. Like it's so easy for who am I to come up? And that's not to say that in the past 10 years, you haven't put out things that are meaningful. You know, it's not to say that like in year one, you weren't inspiring people or doing work that was really important to you. And so I think like numbers, it's really easy for us to start like, well, it's got to be at least this amount of time. It's like, yeah, I mean, not really, because it could be that amount of time and you could still suck. Yeah, totally. And I remember when I was in teacher training, another teacher was like explaining the difference of themselves against us. And they were like, hey, the only difference between me and you is time. Mm -hmm. Like the only difference between like me being this really great teacher was like the only thing that's different is like, I just kept showing up. And that like kind of pinged in my head, like, oh, okay, this is just like, this is a practice. It's just showing up. You just got to show up every goddamn day. Because then I thought like, oh, well, then the only difference between them and me is just time. It's just like, yeah, I'll never have as much time as them just because time, right? Like right. they'll have 20 years when I have 15. It's like, I'll never have that, but I can at least like be where they're at 
at that moment if I just stay with it and I just show up and I, like you said, I just try to teach from a place of like gratitude and service and all those things. And it's weird because sometimes teaching is like an out-of-body experience for me. It's like, it's not, I'm not saying it's not who I am, but it's like this other, I guess, uh, avatar of Justin kind of comes out. Cause I feel like we are kind of different people at different times in different places and different communities. Like, 100%. you know, I imagine therapist, you know, Shay is different than mm-hmm. wife Shay, you know? And like, mm-hmm. that's just how we are. And I think when I teach, I turn into a different person, but I have to also remind myself that's still a part of me. Right. It's not some totally different entity taking over. Like, no, that is a piece of me. Right. I shouldn't make myself feel bad when I'm not yoga, Justin, when I get upset. You know what I mean? (laughs) 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 Oh, someone sent me a meme last night about people driving really slow in the fast lane or something. And I was like, being from New Jersey, that is like the thing that drives me the most crazy. And it's like, yeah, I get so mad at that. But then like, it's like, where's the, and then like my wife will be like, where's yoga, where, Justin? Where's yoga Justin at? Or, <laughs> my kids will be like, I thought you teach yoga. And I'm like, I do. But just because I do that. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't mean that I don't have the same emotions that everybody else has and the same like little triggers and all those other things. I'm aware of it. And sometimes I let it get the best of me. And I think that just keeps me human and realizing that I'm always going to have like a little bit of work to do, if not a lot of work (laughs) when it comes to just being a human being. That's very in line with, there's this type of therapy called IFS, internal family systems. And IFS is basically like everyone has different parts of themselves. And in order for people to be emotionally thriving and mentally okay, those parts have to know about each other and be on the same page, like in order to move forward. And we have to develop the relationships we have with those different parts of ourselves and be able to ask those parts of ourselves, like, what does that part need in that moment? You know what I mean? Like if you're going through a hard time and, you know, yoga, Justin's not there. It's like, cause yoga, Justin doesn't show up to those events or those situations (laughs) or whatever. So it's like asking that like road rage part of self or whatever it is that's getting activated at that moment. Like, what is it that this part of me needs right now in order to feel like a more centered and grateful person? Yeah, because then, it, it, you know, you can kind of set yourself up or even set other people up. You have a pretty big platform on Instagram. You have like somewhere around like 30,000 followers. And so 23,000. I don't have 30. I used to. I lost okay. a lot. 20... And they got rid of all the bots. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I have this sidebar thought. I feel like you don't care about that. I shit much. about it at all, really, to be honest anymore. Yeah. So it's not like you tried to have all I did. These followers, but it's like, whether you want it or not, you've got a following. Like yes. people listen to you. People care what you say. People care what you think. And so it's easy for the outside world, whether they're coming to your classes or seeing you on Instagram or, or they know you in, in your life, like to see you as he's always got it together. He's always <laughs> so grateful. And it's great that they get to know that part of you, but you're also saying like, and everyone like check yourself, check your expectations because it's not like that all the time, nor should it be because that's not yeah. what, you know, being human's all about. Yeah. And I think that's a good place for like me to teach from too, is like one of the things I, I hated about yoga teachers was like the toxic positivity kind of aspect of it. Cause I did have like a lot of teachers like that. I don't want to say it was like toxic, but it was like almost ignoring other people's suffering or ignoring, you know, having privilege and like having all this other stuff and realizing you know, I don't ever want to be like that. I don't ever want to like talk from a place of my privilege or from, Hey, ignore the bad shit. It's like, no, like I'm trying to teach people to be grateful for all of it. 
right? Like, so be grateful even if everything sucks, which is a really difficult thing for people to like wrap their brains around because they're like, well, my life sucks right now. Okay. Are you still breathing? Do you have all 10 toes? You have both your fucking legs. Like we can go down a list of shit that you should start to be grateful for. And I know that might seem like innocuous. Like, well, why are you bringing that up? Like I'm broke. I don't have this. I don't, but it's like, it's mindset. It's all about like choices and mindset. What am I focusing on right now? Am I focusing on the fact that, yeah, maybe I don't have the money to pay my bills or am I focusing on, I have a roof over my head at least. Yeah, I talk about it in class all the time when it comes to negativity. Like it's easy. It's such the easiest route for you to go. Everything fucking sucks. It's easy for you to be critical of other people, of yourself. It's easy to complain. That's why most people end up doing it because it's the easy choice. Like when I was starting to go to yoga and I was at my old job, it was like, I was a printer. So I worked in a print shop with a bunch of dudes. South Jersey, Philly strong. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's the type of people I worked with and they were amazing, great guys. They were awesome dudes, but they weren't grateful. Like they were kind for right. sure. They were kind. They were really, really nice guys. They were awesome to work with. But like, I've always been spiritual. But then like when I started doing yoga, that's when I started getting real like, all right, well, I'm going to do my personal work. I'm not even just going to show up and do fucking poses. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to take this home and start to try to be a better person. And I didn't see that. But with the majority of the people that were surrounding me, it wasn't that they weren't, I don't want to say they weren't happy, but they didn't seem happy. They seemed like material things made them happy, but that was the only thing that made them happy. Like if the Eagles lost, then they were sad for four days. If the Eagles won, they were happy for four days. But then it, something else would just come up and it would just, crash on them. And I'm like, that seems really erratic and not like, doesn't seem like, like sustainable. sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem like a very sustainable like way to live your life. And I started to like, see them. You're always stressed out. They always had problems at home and stuff like that. And just like, they hate it waking up every day. And I was just like, I'm here too. If they're all like that, then shit, like that's going to happen to me. But then when I was like trying to be positive around them, it was very difficult because it was just negative, negative, negative. We're like, why the fuck are you thinking like that? Like Mm -hmm. it was really tough to be positive in that environment. And so I just had to make choices all the time to like not be negative, to not let their negative comments, like force me to be negative along with them. And it made a real challenge, but it also forced my hand to leave there too. So it was kind of nice. Tell me a little bit about that. So I've heard some of these stories in class before, like I was there, I was working this job and not only that, but some of the like pieces of the story that I've heard were like, you were in a really hard place in your life when you were coming into yoga. And this was a big shift for you, like finding yoga, coming into yoga, and then deciding to leave your job and teach yoga. And so I think like the audience is humans in general who are looking for different ways to feel better in their life. And so that's like this huge category that kind of applies to everyone. And so I want to hear more about like what things were like for you at that time in your life and how yoga became a vehicle for you to be in this place that you are now. Because I think like I was going back to, you know, this platform that you have people come to you. And I know even myself, one of the reasons that I've come to your classes before there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is like, I know I'm, I'm going to feel good. Like my energy is going to shift in leaving your class because of the message that you're going to give your talks yeah. are always, they're not this like rah, rah, you know, like surface positive stuff. Like you were kind of describing before. It's like a very grounding, true 
it's hard to put it into words, but like, I, I always get that when I come to your classes. And so that's a different shift from what you're describing back then. Yeah. You know, you're trying to be positive and all this stuff and yeah, the people that you're around your environment, it just kind of pulls you down. And so tell us a little bit about that shift and finding yoga and making that big transition that you did with your job. Actually, one of my best friends was a yoga teacher and he was doing yoga in like 1997 when it was like fucking weird to do <laughs> yoga. If you did yoga in 97, like it was super weird. And I remember him trying to teach me and like, I just graduated high school and I was like into martial arts and all that stuff. So like, I was like kind of into it, but I'm like, this is fucking weird, man. I'm not into, I don't know if I'm into it. I'm cracking up because my brother said something to me the other day. Like we were talking about something and we said something about meditation. He's like, yeah, right. Shailene, like practice mindfulness and yoga in the nineties. Like, what are you an idiot? Totally the like, vibe. Well, yeah. Like if you had like a weird aunt that did that and there was like yeah. no Lululemon, Lulu. there was none of that shit that she was doing it in sweatpants. Yeah, it was not cool. No, it was totally uncool. They were like, yeah, I remember seeing a dude in a basketball court doing it, like at a campground, like, yo, that guy's mentally <laughs> ill. Like he's mentally ill, you know? And he like, that would still be kind of weird. I look like, like that guy, yeah. like long hair, gray beard. <laughs> like I'm that guy. <laughs> But I started doing yoga. My wife got me into yoga. Uh, one of my best friends was a yoga teacher for a very long time before me. He was the one who trained me, actually. So one of my best friends was a yoga teacher. And my wife was going. And I was doing martial arts. And she was telling me that I should go and try it. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do it. So I was just doing it at home. I was just like practicing yoga at home. And one of my best friends was a yoga teacher. So he was like telling me what cool DVDs to kind of check out. And there was this one guy named Duncan Wong who was like a martial artist dude, but also one of Madonna's first yoga teachers. So I had one of his DVDs. He was like one of the first guys I saw like press to a handstand. And I was like, oh shit, like yoga can be pretty crazy. Like he was doing mm -hmm. all kinds of cool arm balances and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. So I got his DVD set and I practiced at home. And then my kids were born. And I was just practicing at home and practicing like at a dance studio that my friend taught. At. His name is John Vitarelli. He was doing yoga this whole time and trying to always get me to go. And I was like, nah, man, I don't want to go. And then my kids were born and they were only a few months old. And I mean, we were stressed out. We had twins. Twins. Me and my wife were super stressed out. And like, I didn't have like a physical outlet that I used to like with martial arts and skateboarding. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to go to yoga one day, right? This is like a way for me to just get out of the house and escape for a little bit and just like stretch and just do whatever. Because all my yoga experiences before that were just in my living room, you know? So it's a way different experience when you go to a studio. So I went to a studio over in Philly. It was like an advanced class. There was 45 people in there. There was no Lululemon or any shit back then. It was like 2009, 2010. I had like adidas fleece pants on and a t-shirt i forgot my yoga mat i didn't have water i was it hot in there it was super hot it was like 100 <laughs> fucking degrees and i didn't bring water i was chewing gum the whole time it was a mess but at the end of it i felt better than i ever felt in my entire life and it was like an aha moment because like when i walked out it was snowing out i was in old city philly and it was snowing and i was just like god I want everybody I know to feel like this right now because I felt like I could go home to like my newborn twins crying and screaming and changing diapers and my stressed out wife and, you know, everything. And then my job on top of it, that was stressful, you know, in and of itself. And I was like, man, I want everybody to feel this way. And it was like one of the most purest, I guess, moments that I've had of just like not being selfish of just like, I immediately thought of like, wow, I want other people to feel this. 
not just like, oh, I want to feel this over and over and over again. I'm like, I felt like I want other people to feel this and I want to like give it to them. So I guess it was like an aha kind of like God speaking mm-hmm. to you moment. So then I went home, I texted my friend and I was like, man, that was amazing. What books can I read? Like right away. I was like, what books can I read? He gave me a bunch of books. I think I went to one or two more classes and they talked about a teacher training and I was like, sign me up right away. I was like, sign me up. I'll do it. And they were like, okay, year from today, you'll be graduated. I was like, cool. Went in teacher training. You know, I practiced every day for a few months until training started, went in and I was teaching before the training even ended. Cause I was, I taught martial arts before. So I already had had that aspect of it, like a little bit, like I didn't mind being in front of a bunch of people and talking. I didn't mind trying to command somebody. I didn't mind somebody being older than me, me telling them what to do. So I had already gotten through some of that stuff that kind of sticks people when they're training, they're afraid to like try to control the, the space. Right. So I graduated and I was just like off to the races, man. I was like teaching four times a week right off the bat. So I didn't quit my job for a while after that. I was teaching yoga four times a week and I was loving it. And then like me and my wife were going through some shit, like just people going through things with young kids. And, but anyway, that comes into the story because I wanted to be a full-time yoga teacher. That's what I wanted to do. I was like, right away. I was like, I want to do this for a living. How do I do it? Do workshops, teach all the time, show up to every class that you can sub every class that I can. I literally taught anybody who I could get in front of. I taught on basketball courts and fields, you name it. I taught whoever would get in front of me for years. And then about three years in, I was just like, I had a a very crazy moment in a training with one of my teachers, Raganoff. And he was like, we were doing this like six hour, you know, mini immersion on like kirtans. And I was like my first exposure to a kirtan. Uh, He was doing like an advanced headstand class and uh, he did. He was talking about the gunas, like the three different gunas, you know, sattva, rajas, tamas, like the different, you know, states of being, so to speak. Right. And there was this one part where he was like talking about death and he was just like, look at me in my eyes. And he was just like, you're going to die one day. What are you going to do about it? Like, you're really going to die. Like, and it was like a story where he was talking about where, where he had kind of like a near death experience. It was the first time somebody was like very frank and open about it because it's like, it's not something that in our culture, we typically talk too much about. Like you don't sit down at the dinner table and talk about death with your family, you know? So it wasn't, it's just not a, you know, a a really typical thing to talk about. It kind of strikes you like when it comes up, it does. I mean, when it comes up in general, like when it comes up in life, yeah, it strikes you like, oh shit, like that's right. We're not going to be here forever this week this past weekend, the, uh, Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters died and it like, yeah. Oh my God. I was crushed. Messed me up. Like we, I like cried. We are struggling in my house. Like we're playing Foo Fighters all the time. We just flew out to <laughs> yeah. Arizona to go see them like a month ago, a no month way. ago. It was his birthday. Like a week before he just turned 50. It was our first time. Like we're going to travel and go see him. And then like, yeah, I woke up Saturday morning and someone sent me a screenshot and I was like, no way. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. I was crushed, dude. Those moments, like they just stop you in your tracks, at least for me. And it makes me reevaluate everything. And like, yeah, I don't know Taylor Hawkins. I feel like I did, but you know, but I feel like it just takes something like that to happen to remind you like, oh yeah, that's right. We're here, but we're not here forever. And and nothing's promised and we can't hold on to anything forever. And so for somebody to like remind you of that in that moment, it does kind of the same thing. It like zaps you back into, 
okay, I'm here right now and this is happening right now, but I really don't know what's going to happen next. And I don't know how much time I have. And they're very like surreal moments. Completely. And the, the fact that he was like making eye contact with me in a room full of people that made it feel like so personal, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, he had known me from social media. I knew him from like him coming to the studio, but this was the first time I ever had the like pleasure of actually practicing with him after a long time. Cause I always would miss him when we come to the studio because I would have to teach or I would like be somewhere else. And he finally was coming down and I was like, so ecstatic to like be in this workshop with him and him just looking at me and saying that. And he was like trying to like make a point to the room, but it felt like he was trying to make a point to me, Sure. <laughs> even though in the moment, anybody else in that room could probably say the same exact thing that I felt like they were talking right to him. But like, we were like making firm eye contact because he has a practice of like making eye contact with you for an extended period of time to just make you realize that he does see you and he is talking to you. And it's not just like mm-hmm. his eyes darting around the room, but he said that, you know, and he said a bunch of other really prolific things that weekend that made me feel like shit about myself, you know, like just in general, just like about how our words have power on people and just like all these things just came crashing onto me, you know? And so like when I came home, I remember coming home that night and just crying to my wife about how, how terrible I've been. And I apologizing to her about how I'm sorry, I've said these things to you. It made you feel this way and all this stuff. And I was like, and I have to quit my job. I can't do it anymore. I was like, I just can't do it. And she was like, okay, cool. Do it. And then, so I went to work on Monday and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'll give you guys six months, you know, like I'm out. And I did it solely just because I needed time to like try to figure out how the fuck I was going to do this. Because <laughs> like I'm gone, but I'm going to give you some time. time. I'm gonna, I got to find out what I'm going to do. I got to figure out how I'm going to do this shit. <laughs> but after that, I will be gone. But I will figure it out in this six months. And I need insurance. And I need to go to the dentist before all this ends. <laughs> and I need to make sure I get through like I get my deductible and everything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave them six months and that gave me time to like talk to you. Cause I didn't know like really how to do it. So I was like, okay, I'll talk to all these different studios and try to line up some jobs and everything and just do workshops and just save money and figure it out and pay off debt. And in those six months, me and my wife separated. And so like I had another struggle come in where it was like, okay, well, not only am I trying to like switch a job that had safety, security, a 401k, steady paycheck, all those things that could like keep me quote unquote safe. Like together in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause Hey, if we were going to split apart, then it's like, yeah, money is a huge factor. We have small kids. They were like four years old, I think. And it's like, do I really want to try to like have a new job now? Like is now the best time to do it? And it was literally the worst time for me to do it. But I did it anyway, because I was like, no, I said I was going to do this and I'm going to fucking do it. And that's it. And if I'm broke, I'm broke. If everything in my life crumbles into nothing, then I have to do this because it's either that or I stay at this place and I die there. You know, I just give up. Like, is that what I'm going to do? And so January 3rd, I remember it was a snowstorm. Nobody was even going to work that day. And I was like, no, I'm going the fuck. Today's my last day there. I'm going into work did my exit interview. There was like three people I had to say goodbye to. And that was it. I never went back. Mm -hmm. They were trying to get me to stay. They didn't want me to leave. They were like, you don't have to leave, especially when they found out about like my personal situation. They were like, you could stay here. I made good money. I'm only high school educated. And for me to have a trade 
that was like handed to me, like on a fucking silver platter was really amazing to have. But I was just like, I can't do it. I'm going to go crazy if I stay here and I have to Mm -hmm. at least try. And I was like in my mid thirties, you know, like back then that would be considered late, but like it's scary, but especially I had a mortgage. I had kids. I had everything going on. We had a split. Yeah. The responsibilities are deep. It wasn't just a single guy who was 23 years old. Who's like, Oh, I'm just going to be a yoga teacher. It's like, no man, I have fucking bills, dude. I have shit. Like I have yeah. real world problems. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I went after it and I did it. I taught and it was hard. I worked seven days a week. I taught 17 classes a week. I taught anywhere I could at any time I could. And that's just what I did. And I made like $18,000 or something. <laughs> I worked my ass off and I made like what a part-time Starbucks barista makes. But I did what I love to do. And even though I was traveling all over the place and doing all this stuff, I was happy. I was like really, really happy. Even though like I was still going through like all the stuff I was still going through, like personally, Mm -hmm. my life was like fucking terrible. It was in shambles, you know, absolutely. Like, so that part was Mm -hmm. bad. And there was parts of me like during that where it's like, how can I teach right now? Like I'm going through like the worst period of my life. Like who am I to like, tell anybody how to live their life right now. Well, mine's kind of fucked up, you know, <laughs> like, and not even kind of like, yeah. really. Yeah. But so like to kind of get to like another part of the story that you kind of mentioned. So there was a part where I had gotten my own apartment and me and my wife, but we're back together now. <laughs> but at the time it was like, we were separated and we were moving apart. I got an apartment, my kids, they were going to stay at the apartment. Like everything was like known to family and all this stuff. And I remember like the lowest moment was like, I was sitting in my apartment and I didn't have any furniture. All I had was a bed. That was pretty much it. Cause I just moved in. So I was like sitting on the floor in the living room, even though there was nothing in the living room besides like a light. And I was eating pizza on the floor and I was watching sons of anarchy on my phone. I just like stopped for a second. And I was just like, what the fuck did you do? Look where you're at, dude. Like, come on, man. You're like 35 years old. What the, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You had everything. You had had a house, had kids, the dog, had everything. And it was just like, dude, you fucked up big. Like you really messed this shit up. And I was just like, well, at least my kids are healthy. At least I have this place right now, even though it doesn't have furniture in it. At least I have a place to go at least. So you're like still digging deep. Like I got to find something. It was one of the first times that I found gratitude in like a super, super low point. And it was like a very like prolific part, something that just happened to me that made me realize how important being grateful really is. Because Mm -hmm. in that moment, I had nothing. I was broke as shit. My relationship was going away with my family. Like I had a lot of people mad at me. It was just a really shitty time. But I was just like, I'm not going to focus on where my life is lacking. I'm going to focus on where my life is good instead. Like, yeah, I might not have furniture. Yeah. I might not have a big bank account or any of that stuff and driving this beat up old ass car. And my kids are super healthy. My wife is happy now, you know, like these are all good things. I don't have to see them as bad things. It was a choice that I had to make. Yeah, I could have just sat there and salt and hated life and been like, just pointed my finger at everybody else about why my life ended up the way that it ended up. But I took ownership that I screwed it up that I was the reason that my life was jacked up. And I think in that moment, I also realized like, well, I'm also 
the reason why my life is good if I want it to be. So it's like, I can choose to focus on how I screwed it up, or I can choose to focus on how I'm going to make it better. And in that moment I chose, it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to be grateful every single day. I'm going to be grateful for everything that happens to me. I'm going to be grateful for literally the most smallest, most menial things I'm going to start to be grateful for. And when I did that, my entire life changed that next day when I woke up, everything started getting better. And it was a really crazy, dark time, but it's like the quintessential thing that you hear about people. And I couldn't even call it a rock bottom because it wasn't a rock bottom comparatively to other people's rock bottoms. But for me, it was like a very, very low point of like, well, man, when everything's dark, that tiny little bit of light is really, really bright. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's like in the complete utter darkness, you're going to notice that one little speck of light getting through because it's going to be so bright. And that's what I just looked at. I was just like, all right, well, that's just gratitude. That little tiny light to me was, was gratitude. And I thought, okay, well, if I can focus on that light, then that's all I'm going to focus on. And then it just started to grow bigger and bigger. And that's why in my classes, they're always so gratitude focused is because like, that's literally what saved me from like, who knows what, mm-hmm. like, who knows where my life could have went. Do you feel like I'm thinking of a lot of different things? One is when you're describing that time in your life, really dark alone and finding those points to still be grateful for something. I'm thinking of like, when you choose to be grateful and to have that mindset, there is no space for resentment and like victim mentality. Like there's no like you're already down, so you can't fall down. And you can't, you, you can bring yourself down you further. You can always make it worse. And so, but when you choose to be grateful, like I'm imagining you in that space and it's like, oh, well, there's really no room for like a victim mindset or to pull yourself down more. And when you said that, like I could have sat there and complained about how, you know, my kids weren't with me every day. Or I wasn't with my wife or the fact that I was alone. And I was like, oh, that would have been obviously so much worse. Like, yeah, even like, talking about it, hearing you talk about it, I'm like, Ooh, that, that feels so heavy. And the shift that happens when you're like, well, you know, I have something to eat, you know, my kids are safe and they're healthy and all of those things. And it does sound like there's like this line in your life of like before yoga and after yoga, do you feel like yoga was what got you into the mindset of gratitude? Absolutely. 100%. I think without it, who knows where I would have ended up, you know, like, cause I was already at that point drinking a lot, (laughs) you know, like trying to like self-medicate through it. And luckily I went to therapy too, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, like through that whole thing, I was in therapy like once or twice a week easily. Mm -hmm. And I had a really, really amazing therapist support me and help me and like get me through a lot of that stuff. And I think without her and yoga, I'd have been in a totally different spot. If I think if I would have just had her my life would be okay, but I don't think Mm -hmm. I would have been great. I don't think I would have taken the ownership that I needed to. I don't think I would have been grateful. I think I still would have been full of resentment and other like negative things, even though I would try very hard Mm -hmm. to not because like in therapy, they're trying to make you kind of, well, you would know more than I would, but I know that she was trying to make me see how I was truly and like make me start to take ownership for all the things that have happened, but people can still get around it and still try to like do the little dance about how well it's like, well, it's my parents' fault. It's my dad issues. It's because I never met my dad till I was 28. So that was like a huge thing in my life where it was like, fuck everybody. It's his fault. It's his fault Mm -hmm. on the way that I am because he left before I was born and I never met him. It was like, it's just a built-in excuse. You know what I mean? So 
I kind of lived like that for a long time. And I think yoga and therapy and all that stuff really made me realize that like, yeah, all that shit happened. Big deal. It doesn't give you an okay pass to like be a dick and to like hurt people Mm -hmm. and to be selfish. So I think like with yoga being so choice oriented, that's what it made me realize that I have a choice. You know what I mean? Like it, it really made me realize like I have a choice of like how I react, how I say things like Justin is however he reacts to things that happens to him, right? Like, so if you say something to me and I react to it, that's who I am, right. whether I like it or not, right? Like, because sometimes you like to be like, oh, well, I was under this stress. No, you're that person. You're still that person. <laughs> you can't- That's even, in there. You get to choose how you react, but how you react is who you really are. So I think with yoga, it started making me realize that I have a choice and it gives you that ability to like take a step back take a breath so that when you do react or you do say something, or you do take an action, it's from a, a place of clarity, not of anger, not of resentment, not of extreme happiness or whatever. It's just, this is my balanced reaction, not to be like a robot, not to not have emotions, but to be clear that what you're saying is what you want to say, to be clear that action that you're going to take is an actual action that you want to take. Then you try to write it off like, oh, I was just upset when I said that. I was just really happy when I said I would do that with you. Now I'm in a different state of mind. And it's like, well, no, you should just be in a state of mind. Like you still you (laughs) underneath all of that. Yeah. Doesn't matter which emotional narrative you want to kind of run from. Yeah. You still did the thing. You still said the damn thing. So for me, the yoga made me realize that I have a choice. But therapy made me realize that like the choice is mine. (laughs) Everything Mm -hmm. that I say and everything I do is under my will. And it's like, I attribute a lot of my growth to therapy and I would not be the person that I am today without it because that's, I think, one of the things that made me really happy and in the long run, like amplified my gratitude because it made me process the other stuff that was like, I was using as an excuse, like the dad stuff, Mm -hmm. like the broken home, the, all the shit, you know, the relationship stuff that happened when I was a kid between my mom and my dad and my stepdad and like all the stuff, like I used that as an excuse to be a shitty partner, Mm -hmm. you know, like I used it as an excuse to, to be mean or to be selfish or to act like, oh, I don't know how a relationship is, but I've never seen a good example of it. But like, I lived with my grandparents who were married for 50 fucking years, you know, or more like, yeah, I did. <laughs> I just chose to like focus on the bad examples and use those as what I saw fit, you know, because yeah. they gave me the biggest excuse to be the worst person that I could be. So I think between yoga and therapy, they really made me realize, no, I get to choose what I say, what I do, who I be with all the stuff is under my power and I should act accordingly, Yeah, you know, at the same time. Yeah. It circles back to what you were talking about in the beginning too. Like it's all a choice I get to choose and I have the privilege to choose. And again, very deeply rooted in gratitude. Like so many things that you've said are coming back. Like, who am I to do this? Like, who am I to open up a yoga studio or to start teaching when I only have this many years or whatever. And then the pivot to like, listen, I get to do this. I have the opportunity to do it right now. And I'm going to do it in a way that makes other people feel good and sharing that gift with other people. And that in itself sounds incredibly healing. Like, and I know you've talked about that before, like so many people think of yoga 
as just like this physical practice and the principles and the philosophy of yoga, like without saying it, that's what I hear you talking about. And that aligns very much with therapy too, even in thinking about samskaras and trauma, like the shit that we carry, the things that we kind of like were put onto us, but then having to have the awareness to say, okay, I know this is impacting me in this way. What choices do I have? And how great that I even have choices and let me make the wisest choice for me and for those people around me, which was another thing that seems like an an ingredient to like where you've come from and where you are is like being around the right people. You know, when you're talking about being at work and that environment of like, you know, this isn't your family you're talking about, but like you spend so much time with the people that you work with. 10 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the input that's coming in turns into your output. And so when you're around like people who are resentful and negative and complaining and they're not grateful all of the time, it is really hard to flip that over in other areas of your life or to be like the, totally, you know, the positive guy at work. Who's like, everyone's just like, <laughs> shut up. We don't, we don't want to hear this. And so it also seems yeah. like being around the right people. And I know in being in your classes and being a part of the community that you've built, that's another thing that keeps people coming back and I'm sure that's part of like your recipe in terms of what helps you to stay in this place, like to keep yoga, Justin filled. <laughs> so he's not lashing out <laughs> yeah. or whatever um, in as many times as he could be, because um, I imagine part of that, like really fills your cup as well as having that community of people who are reciprocating that. Oh my God. It's the best. And like, I talk about it with other studio owners and I've had the luxury of having studio owners take my class and teachers take my class all the time. And people come from other studios and they always comment on the people who are in there. It's because I've always wanted a different group of people in my studio. I just got a sign up out front the other day. Like I mean, I've had a studio for <laughs> like seven years and I finally have like a legitimate Signs sign up. <laughs> and I'm like, I want less people to know where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for one percenters, you know what I mean? Like in that aspect of it, I'm not trying to throw a really big net out there and pull in as many people as I can. I've never, ever in my life. Yeah. I want to be successful with my version of success looks wildly different than a lot of other people's. A lot of other people's looks like a bank account. Granted, I need to make money to survive. I need to pay my bills. I need to do all this stuff, but I would rather have the same eight people take my class every single day than have a hundred different people take my class a week Mm -hmm. because it's like, I'm looking to make an impact on people's lives. I'm not trying to feed you bullshit and make you sweat and go home. I don't care if you're sore. I don't give a shit if you're sore after my class or not. If you are cool, if you're not cool, I don't care. I want you to feel better when you walk out. I want you to go home and be a better person to your spouse or to your kids. That's what I want you to do. I don't give a fuck about your handstand. Like I do in a way because it's an achievement, but like at the end of the day, like I had a teacher tell me when I first started practicing, dude, you could still be an asshole and do a handstand. Like that doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter to me at all. Like how phenomenal your physical yoga practice is. How are you treating your mom? How are you treating your brother? Like, how are you treating the person who works behind the register at Wegmans who is kind of taking too long? How are you then? Are you a dick? Well, then you're a dick. Right. I don't care if you're in yoga five days a week. If you're a dick to that person, you're a dick. Mm -hmm. Bottom line. You know, Mm -hmm. so for me, I've always just want people who want to be better. That's it. Like, if you want to come in and you want to be a little bit better at yoga, awesome. You don't want to be better at yoga, awesome. Do you want to be a better person? 
then you are in the right spot. Yeah. If you're worried about the heat and the music and me saying, fuck, then go somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. I'll gladly give you your money back and you could go anywhere else in the world to do yoga. And I've always had that mindset to a fault. I think sometimes is because I have no problems not having people come back. Mm-hmm. If I'm not for you, then I'm not for you. That's great. I'll tell you five places you could go to that'll be for you mm-hmm. because I don't want to be for everybody. I just want to be for a few people who really want to try to understand how yoga can positively impact themselves and their relationships. Mm-hmm. I think that's the heart of it. Like that's a quote by TKV Desikachar, who's like one of my favorite yoga teachers in the world. That's all he said is like, your yoga practice is just about how it positively impacts those people around you. Like, I want my positivity to ripple into my students. So when they go home, it ripples into their kids, right? Because then I, in some way, have made a positive difference, not only in their life, but maybe in their spouse's life and their relationship, maybe into their child's life, all because they took a class and I just said a few things that maybe resonated with. I battle with this sometimes where I was like, dude, I just got to shut the fuck up. I can't talk anymore. I should stop. <laughs> I should stop giving these Dharma talks. I keep saying the same shit over and over again, because I'm sure like yeah. everybody has a script of things they have to go through. Like I'm sure as a therapist, it's like, am I really sharing anything new? Yeah. It's easy to get into that. Without fail, every class I have somebody text me or email me and say, Hey, you know what you said today really, really hit. Mm-hmm. Well then, cool. I did my job because maybe it didn't hit the other nine people in the room, but it hit that one person. And it's like, yeah. whoa, cool, man. That's great. Like, perfect. Then maybe that stays with them forever. And I did something with my life worthwhile. You know, like all the other stuff is cool, but are all those other yoga places and yoga teachers trying to make an impact? Are they trying to, like, what did Raghunath say? He's like, when you're teaching, are you trying to like serve God or be God? Like, are you trying to like do it for your Mm. ego or are you trying to do it to like really help? Do you really want to help people? And at the end of the day, that is the only reason why I got into yoga. That's it. I never did it because I wanted people to like me or have 23,000 followers. I'm pre-Instagram, dude. I don't know. Like I was already teaching Original. I was one of the OGs on Instagram, dude. Like I was one of the the first people who put (laughs) yoga pictures up and everyone's like, why are you putting yoga pictures up? Everyone just puts pictures of their food. I got three (laughs) likes. So I'm like, go back to getting in my Instagram account. It's like me skateboarding, my kids, like some (laughs) weird weed leaf graffiti. And like, that's it. Well, you know, your messages, even on Instagram, like even the posts that you have and the, with the poses that you're doing and all of that stuff, I think even just at first glance, it reminds people to just go after it. You know what I mean? Like, and not only to just go after it, but it doesn't have to look a certain way. Like you're not up there posting this is this pose and this is how your alignment supposed to be. It's and many times you hashtag not yoga. Like (laughs) I'm just doing whatever, take it if you want it. And if you don't buy, that's cool too. And I think it's just a testament to the work that you're doing and the impact that you have, like not only just in our little corner of South Jersey, but worldwide. Tell people where they can find you on Instagram and where they can find your classes. Instagram, Tattooed Yogi, right? So Tattooed Yogi and Yoga Rebellion underscore New Jersey is the yoga studio. You can practice with me in the studio or online. Any class that I teach in the studio, I actually, you know, you can do it online. So you can do it right in your home if it aligns with your schedule. 
Um, I also have a Patreon account and this is Justin Riley. You know, if you go to Patreon, I think you search that. I think I don't even know. <laughs> go to Google and you search or you go into my bio, of my Instagram account. It's linked into my Instagram account. There's like 200 classes on my Patreon account. I also teach on Catherine Buting's website, House of Phoenix. So I teach on there once a month along with Catherine, who is absolutely amazing. And I can't believe that I'm friends with her. It's fucking surreal that I can just text her and be like, Hey, Catherine, what's up? That's how I feel about you. I'm like, I'm friends with Justin. (laughs) Like I will text him. (laughs) I remember walking into your studio for the first time and you were like, Hey, what's up? Nice to meet you. Like, and that in itself, I don't know if I ever told you this, but like that in itself, it's crazy to me. I teach you know, yoga teachers, how to be more trauma informed and how to really like mean it when they say, yeah, we're open for everyone. Come as you are all of that other stuff. And one thing that you do that so many yoga teachers don't do is you say hi to everybody, which is so crazy. Like, it's just like looking at someone and acknowledging like, Hey, I'm so glad you're here. Or like going around the room. What'd you do this weekend? Yeah. And like the recognition, it seems so trivial, but the recognition of like, you see me and me being in mental health and working with people who've gone through trauma, like trauma and so much represents like not being seen, cared about, loved, respected. And so that small thing that you do by just saying hi to everyone who comes in and letting people know, like, no, you belong here because you, you know, you came here and you're, you're into this. And if you're into this stuff, then cool. And it doesn't matter what you can do. Like, I'll be the first one to say that. Like I've been hand standing at the wall for years, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I do, I mean that I appreciate your friendship and what you've done in the community, because it's really, I think like personally and professionally, I've learned a lot of things from the things that you put out there in the world and offer. And I take a lot of that stuff with me. So you're doing good things. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I try to do that also too, for other people who are in the room. Cause like, if I'm trying to create community, then like I have to be the leader of that community and I have to welcome people in. And I also want everybody in the room to know everybody in the room. So like when you come in and I say, Hey, Shay, what's been Mm -hmm. up? How's the practice going? How's this going? And we're talking about your kid Mm -hmm. and we're talking about your dog and we go through like all the stuff. Then like people hear that and they start to know your name. So then they can say, when they see you, yeah. oh, hey, you're Shay, right? Um, so-and-so. And then everybody can start to kind of like know each other more. If you're just walking into a room of 40 people and I just come in and just go, okay, everybody get down dog. It's like, yeah, cool. Really great community we got yeah. going on here. Like, dude, just because you pay money doesn't mean you're mm-hmm. a part of the community. Like, no, I, I want to accept people. Plus from someone who has like anxiety, like crippling mm-hmm. anxiety at times. When someone's nice to me, when I walk into a room that I've never been in before, like if I go and do something new, man, that can just like put me right at ease. And I I try to make sure that like I handle new people coming in. I just treat them exactly how I would want to be treated when I walk into a room. I wouldn't want to just be ignored. It doesn't make me want to come back there ever. But if someone like comes in and says hi to me and, and tries to remember my name, and then when they say bye to me, they're like, hey, you did a really good job today. I hope I see you again soon chances are I'm going to be back Mm because I feel accepted, you know? And I think that can do wonders for a person's like self-esteem to like come back the next time. Cause sometimes I think the courage going in the first time isn't the hardest one. I think it's the next time because you can just like run off that adrenaline and get in there one time, but will you go back? 
or will you talk mm-hmm. yourself out of it? Like, will you spin some kind of like wheel and go, oh man, I can't go back yeah. there. They didn't like me. They didn't do it. But if I'm like, hey man, I would love to see you again next week. And you say, all right, I'll see you. Guess what? You tell me you're going to see me next week. You don't show up. I'm going to send you a message. <laughs> Where like, you? Hey, man, you said you're going to show up. <laughs> what happened, dude? I just want you to Missed know, you. like you yeah. come back anytime you want. And not in a bad way, but in a way of like, hey, you can come back. Yeah. I remember you. I think doing that is really good for people. And it's like a lost art almost. I think it's important for people to be seen and to be felt like they're welcomed in. hundred you know? percent. And I tell teachers all the time, man, you know, your job is to care. Your job is to give a shit about people and see potential in them and care about them and give them your energy and be their cheerleader and have their back and support them. Like our job is not to rip people down and all that other dumb shit. It's like, no, man, they can do that themselves. I'm here to kind of like to kind of bring people up. I'm trying to be like, no, man, you're doing good. Like have some gratitude, have some confidence, like build a little bit of courage, like find some focus, do these little things. And like that starts to have a larger positive impact on your life. And then your life just starts to kind of get better from there. So it's like, nah, man, if we can just be of service, that's the one thing I remember about training is just like, you're just trying to be of service. You're just trying to help people out. So when they come in, it's like, all right, how am I going to help today? Through my words, through how I talk to them, how I see them, all the shapes and shit are cool. And like, yeah, I can support them in that by giving them modifications and seeing them and telling them they're doing a good job. And, you know, I had one student actually tell me that last week and they were like, you know, you're one of the only teachers that I take that gives me positive reinforcement during class. And I'm like, that's fucking sad. Like that makes me upset. You really do do a good job of that too. Like, I think that just comes back to like seeing people and really knowing them and having quality relationships with them because you're able to say like, okay, I see you there or, oh, I see you in that handstand or you're holding that a little bit longer this week yeah. because you've paid attention and you know, you know, you can't really fake that stuff. Cause it's my job. That's my job. It's my job to care. I'm also firm with you too. It's not like, you know, I'm not all. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody called into our practice and was like, where can I send my client for like, she's looking for like beginner gentle yoga. And Alex's mom was like yoga rebellion. And I was like, well, you know, yoga rebellion is great. However, <laughs> if this is her first class and she's looking for something gentle, I would not no, send her. No, there. I would send her somewhere else. <laughs> That's not the vibe. Yep. I would totally <laughs> be like, Hey, there's a beautiful studio down the street that you can go to. This is not the place for you. It happens to me all the time. I think it's really great to support people and to see people and to help them and to be positive with them, but also be a friend to them and go, Hey, you're you're sandbagging it. Like, what do you do? I know you can do more. Like, I know you can, like when I see people and it's like, I've had a long day. Okay, cool. That's all well and good. But like, I want you to know that you can do more. Man, I feel like I could probably keep talking to you and just keep recording <laughs> yeah, like, for I'm like at my clock. six I'm hours. Like, I, think, I think she probably has people to talk to since I was late. <laughs> no, damn. we're totally good. But thanks so much for coming on and for sharing your story. Oh, my pleasure. Really, really thanks for the work that you're doing in the world. You know, you don't get to hear it or recognize it every day, but that stuff really does ripple out and make the the world a better place to be. So I appreciate the work that you're doing and, and the message that you're putting out there. I appreciate that recognition. Even though people give it to me, I'm trying to be better with like receiving praise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be better. It's hard. Man, if this is all I can do that's positive in my life, then like I, I've led a good life then. All right, everyone. It's a wrap season one of the Tea Talk podcast. How are you feeling? 
What did you think of season one? What do you want to hear more of? Let me know. Find me on Instagram at rebelmente. If you haven't already started following the show, please do so and share it with others who need to hear it. Please give me a five-star stellar review if you love the content. And we're going to take a break for a season because your girl needs to rest. And so should you. And we will be back on the 4th of July for season two. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. You're not going to want to miss it. I've got some great stuff planned for you. Continue to take care of yourselves. Continue to be kind to those around you. And I'll be back on July 4th with more tea.